your 6th grade announcer, G-Force O'Neill, with Charlie the Dog. Don't forget to pick up a copy of Ron Don's free buyer and seller playbook. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 307 now of the Ron and Don Show. And yep, we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, I want you to know I'm a shoe person and ugly shoes have won! That's right, ugly shoes have won. And in fact, I went out and I bought some ugly shoes the other day. And I can't wear them. They're so ugly. That's not true. I've worn them a couple times. I just wear them in front of myself. And even when I wear these ugly shoes in front of myself, I'm embarrassed for myself no, I see when I have the ugly shoes on. Uh, I'll have to go get them and maybe put them on for you. Also, are people born lucky? And we have to talk about the fabulous Fabio after 60. You're not going to believe what he does each and every day to look fantastic at the age of 62. And yeah, that Fabio, I didn't know back in the day, he was on the cover of over 1,300 magazines. In the no, not 80- magazines, romance novels. Yeah, and romance novels in the 80s bleeding into the 90s. 1,300, that's really incredible, you guys. In the meantime, before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Park Rangers, if you're a park ranger in America, on America, how much do you think you make as a full-time, oh, park, full-time park ranger? Let's say you're working up here at, uh, at Rainier. What do you uh, think? Geez, that's a good question. My Uncle Fred was a park ranger for his entire career. Uh... I would say eighty grand a year. Like, yeah. I don't know how much no. is it. You start at twenty four thousand wow. and you, you top out at about sixty two thousand dollars. Wow! As far as being a park ranger, and the way that you become park rangers is typically you're a firefighter first, and then you may end up getting recruited into the park service. The reason we're talking about this, there's an article in Esquire, and we've seen this happen in police and fire departments. For instance, in my neighborhood, where Engine Twenty rolls. If you talk to some of the firefighters here, which I do every once in a while, uh, they will tell you one of the things that really bums them out is that they don't really, with all the safety measures in housing today, they don't fight a lot of structure fires anymore. And they kind of signed up to, 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 to save people and to save babies and to run into burning buildings. Like they, they, they don't like the fact that a building is burning down and at the same time the dopamine hit that you get from that and going in and picking up a hose and grabbing an axe and putting a fire out. That's what they signed up for. And now we know what's happening. All you have to do is go to the many parks here in my neighborhood and the fire department gets called time and time and time again and they have to respond. By law, they have to respond. And a lot of times they're dealing with the opioid and the homelessness crisis. What has happened now is this opioid this homelessness crisis, also this suicide rate that is happening specifically as uh, we're battling COVID here. Then you throw climate change on top of this. And in Esquire magazine, they're saying that a lot of forest rangers, a lot of the park rangers didn't sign up for this. What they did is they micro-focused on Boulder, Colorado, where some of my family members lived. And they say, if you signed up to be a park ranger in Boulder, Colorado, let's say in twenty in twenty ten, you would have to deal with just in 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 this area of the park, right near Boulder. You'd have to deal with maybe one suicide a year, and maybe there would be one tent encampment that you would run into. 
Now, fast forward to this year, 2020, they had to deal with over 16 people taking their lives, committing suicide. They've also had to deal with the fact that homelessness now is spilled over in these parks. Along with that, everything that comes with that, from the rats to the IV needles to the uh, to people breaking into cars and stealing stuff. So you're having to deal with that, the homeless crisis, cleanup camps. Many of these park rangers now have had to be coached up in escalation and de-escalation because now they're having to carry guns for their own safety, which it used to be as a park ranger. You didn't have to do that. And then on top of that, on top of that, in this one particular park, they talked about in one day, not only dealing with two suicide attempts, but also dealing with a young man that was just sitting out on a rock somewhere, and he was sitting there with an AR-15 rifle. They had to talk him down. And then on top of that, they were dealing with two different fires that had been started simultaneously in the park on the same day. They say when it comes to park rangers, this isn't what they signed up for. And I wonder if we'll start seeing a mass exodus uh, in, our, in a lot of our parks, Ron, in the same way that we have seen a mass exodus here at the Seattle Police Department, we have over 300 officers that say, I didn't sign up for this. I'm going to quit. I'm going to retire early. I'm going to burn all my time, or I'm going to go work somewhere else. Yeah, it was a fascinating article that you sent, and, and you raised a lot of good points. It, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. I, I think this whole thing in terms of the homelessness thing and even some of the mental health things is until we as a society – and change the way we think about this, we're not going to see any wholesale change. I, again, I was out for a walk and I, I took some pictures and I was trying to think of a different way to write this up for either our newsletter uh, that you can get at ronadonsitdown.com or, or on my socials. Because I saw uh, people, they weren't camping, they were sleeping at the Lake Union Park by Mohai. So there was one person, they weren't even in a tent, there was one person on an inflatable mattress just laying on the ground to sleep. Uh, no tent. There was no possessions I could really see. Just a blanket, and it was right by the where you would launch your kayaks. Then I saw another person by the Center for Wooden Boats, which is an amazing tens of millions of dollars that we taxpayer money spent on that new boat center. person just on a bench, wrapped up in, in a sleeping bag, no tent, no backpack, just sleeping there. And then another tent that was right on Westlake which I'd never seen a tent parked right there. So I took pictures of these things like, okay, I'm going to write something new on this or come up with a different angle. And it's just been sitting there on my phone. It's like, I, what do I say that I haven't said for the past mm. 10 years? Yeah. And as we see it now going out into the park system, if we cannot come to the place where we see drug use as a sickness in the same way that we see cancer, like when you meet someone with cancer, you don't, you don't go, Oh, what did you do? Like, where, you know, why are you getting treatment? Like, what's your problem? You go, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Unless you have young lung cancer. It, Maybe. Because a lot of times point. people are judged. Like, about, oh, say, so you're a smoker. And, and a lot of lung cancer patients sure. never smoke. So. so, but you get my point. Like, we, I, the, judge, our, the judgment of our it. Our general reaction to that is yeah. like that it's not a moral failing right. that you got sick. Hmm. But when we look at homelessness and when we look at drug usage, uh, in that context, it's a moral failure. Well, in the in, in the in the and so until we change that, this is going to continue to spill out into our parks, spill out into our hospitals, spill out into our uh, into the now the state parks, and it is it's it all comes down to that. Yeah, 
And, and then people dive into criminal behavior in order to maintain the connection yeah. to those. If you're on heroin, you need those th- those three hits a day. So 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 there's the connection to that. It, this is what I don't get because we have Bruce Harrell and and uh, and the other candidate. The name escapes me now that are running for mayor here. Is in it Nikita cities. Oliver? Is that the other one? No, no. Okay. Uh, they're they're down to two, and uh, Nikita runs runs every time, but uh, she she's she's not one of the finalists. And 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 Bruce Harrell, an old uh, UW football player, I believe. He he. I, I'm looking for new robust ideas, and nobody doesn't. Nobody has any new robust ideas. There are no new and robust ideas from these candidates or anyone else. I'll tell you this: if you, because people always tell me you should run for mayor, Don, you should run for mayor, and and I would never run for mayor. Number one, because I don't think I'd be good at it, and number two, I want people to like me. I don't want people to hate me, and people always end up hating the mayor here. They just ask Greg Nichols if you ever run into him. Uh, just for sending that snowplow to to his house first over in West Seattle, so he could get out and be the mayor of Seattle. He's never been forgiven for that, right? So, so now we now we and it killed his political career. So, so now we come we come back to this. If you had a mayor come in and just say, "Hey, we we are going to start, we are going to start enforcing park rules and the ordinance that we already have," it says no camping in parks. You couldn't get elected in Seattle if you did that. I don't you know, could you not might. get elected if you had a sub in plan after that. Seattle. Well, because then you become responsible. When you, when you opened up the jungle, what you did is you released the jungle throughout the city of Seattle. And the city of Seattle is now a jungle. So what you have to decide is, are you going to allow for there to be a jungle, a shantytown somewhere in the city? Uh, because that shantytown now is everywhere. And everybody felt, felt great. Hey. You know, we closed down the jungle. We lock and key. You you didn't, as I always say, it's a tube of toothpaste. All you did is move it around. And what's crushing me a little bit is I'm seeing this spill now over into Discovery Park. And we've already had a fire out there this year that the Boy Scouts put out. Uh, there's not a lot of services out there. It's a place I love to go and, and trail run and just, just, just connect to Mother Earth and connect with myself. Uh, these places and spaces are beginning to go away. And there's people in Boulder, Colorado that are saying, hey, I, you know, I used to go to this park and I don't know if I'm going to go to that park anymore. That park, the particular one in Boulder, Colorado, 20 years ago, they said that they would have 3 million visitors a year. Then before COVID, they'd say they have about 6 million visitors a year. They said in this park, there may have been 12 to 15 million visitors uh, just, just in one year. And think about the park ranger that signed up. They signed up to help animals, and they signed up to explain to people uh, what a bald ego is and where they came from. Those things aren't happening right now. We're starting to ask park rangers to do what we, we're now asking police officers and firefighters to do. And at $24,000 a year, I think we're going to find out there's going to be a lot of park rangers. They're going to walk away, and they're going to say, I'm not interested. Uh, more on the other side. I would definitely recommend working with Ron and Don. Completely satisfied. 100% guaranteed. (laughs) (laughs) If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. Hi, I'm Ollie. Hi, I'm Emmy. We are Team Greenland. 
And we sat, sat down, down with Ron, Ron and, and Don. Don. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, we talked about pricing. We talked about staging. We talked about location, about what the market was like. He gave us so much information. We would have a game plan and there'd be a team helping us and we went for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks to Ron and Don, we got the house of our dreams under asking price, which just does not happen in this market. And we could not be happier. Um, we wouldn't have been able to be where we're at in terms of buying and renovating a house without his expertise and support. Um, we got an offer, I think day one, that was twenty-five to 50000 over asking. I'm like telling my wife, don't you think we should take this? And she's like, no, we're sticking to this. We're going to wait till that offer review, review date, like Ron and Don said, waited till offer review date. And we had like seven or eight more offers and an offer a hundred thousand over asking. With Ron and Don, you get two great minds that perfectly complement each other. You get the data and analytics, you get the creativity, the drive and the energy. They are, they are the complete package. If someone asked me, in fact, someone did ask me uh, recently how we sold our house so fast. And I said, well, we had a great realtor team and that makes all the difference. Don't forget when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. Well, there's nothing like these two in the great Pacific Northwest. Thank goodness. We do want to thank you for listening to the Ron and Don Radio Show, which is brought to you by Les Schwab and Ron and Don, who are licensed brokers at Windermere. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. As you just heard, uh, you can sit down with us by going to ronanddonsitdown.com. We'll give you a free camp coffee mug, and uh, we'll see if we can be a part of your real estate journey, see if we'd be... A good team, like you just heard. Ronadonsitdown.com. And we'll do a 45-minute virtual sit-down today. Pretty funny article out today saying the ugly shoes won. Uh, you're a shoe guy. But I, I, you have pretty cool shoes, though. I went out the other day, and I bought these ugly shoes, and I knew that they were ugly. I Before or after you read this article? This is, this, this is, this is before, and then, and then when I read this article, it just it, it confirmed everything that I was feeling as an ugly shoe person. Because I like shoes, too. Uh, my son really likes shoes, but I, I try to, you know, I, I try to buy shoes for function and for comfort, uh, and that's what turned me on to the whole Hoka phenomenon, which it seems like everyone is wearing, they're wearing Hokas now. Uh, and if you have feet problem like I do from all the years of doing athletic stuff, Check out Hoka shoes if you want to trail run or even walk. I have my mom wearing these. Our friend Carter wears these. My friend Joe wears these. I don't know if Scotty's wearing these. I think you wear the Hoka, right? I bought a pair of Hokas for you. Everyone's yeah, wearing... when I go on long walks, of course. Yeah, everyone's wearing the Hoka. So, 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 so anyway, I wouldn't say I, Hoka's I, I, an ugly shoe, though. What's that? They have some crazy colors, but I don't know if they're... It started cool... out as a very ugly shoe. People would say, hey, they're just used to seeing them now, but people would always ask me, why are you wearing that ugly shoe? Uh, and it's the Hoka. That's not the shoe, though. That's not, I'm going to go put them on for you. I haven't worn these in front wow, of another human. I've not worn these in front of my son. Uh, I will not wear these well, in front of Charlie what the dog. What did this article say the rise of the ugly shoe is about? I think a lot of it has to do with the pandemic. A lot of it has to do, in fact, I was talking to one of my friends today. She works for Amazon. And uh, she, I, I said, how do you dress for work every day? She said, from the waist up, I look like I would look if I was, uh, 
you know, showing showing up at the campus today. But she said, from the waist down, I wear whatever the f I want to is is what she says. And she says, what's alarming to people is when she walks her dog, because she'll walk outside and you'll see her hair all done and makeup on and earrings and really put together. And then down below, you'll just see like uh, uh, fluffy pants and maybe some Peter Cottontail uh, socks with with some slippers on or something. And 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 from that, from that. I think, and we saw this in the croc phenomenon. Like I see so many people wearing crocs now. And as soon as they made a croc that was like a fatigue croc, and it was like the Trumper and the and the guy out there in the Polaris four by four out there on his tractor or doing some hunting or out in the roars, as soon as they came out with with that kind of croc, I knew that they had something because it was it was kind of the only guys I saw really wearing Crocs were were maybe some physicians that are on their feet all day because evidently they're supposed to be comfortable. And it's the same with, well, let me go get I'm going to go get you my ugly pair of shoes. And I thought, you know what? I'm getting these for comfort. These used to be made of leather. I was interested because they're made of rubber now. And I could wear these into streams or if I got in the lake or if my son and I are having a water fight or walk around the property or whatever. So, so let me All right, these. go get your ugly shoes. This is uh, the, way, the way this article was written is interesting because the shoes they picked out, uh, basically the way I read it, is that it's, it's one of the last things of self-expression that, that we have left where there you go. can. There you go. I can't I'm these. Oh, my God. I can't I'm wearing these in front of you. What do you think? <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day. That's is that a real Birkenstock? Yeah, it's a real Birkenstock, but they're made of rubber. They're Why ma- you already kicked them off? Yeah, I put them back on. I don't want to have them on. Put them on. I don't want them on. Why do you put them on for like two seconds? I'm done. Put yeah. them back on. The thing I, I'll only wear them in front. Hey, of, hey, hey, hey! In front of me. Put them back on. And even, even, even then, no, they're rubber and they're super lightweight. Put them back and, on. And, and they're super comfortable. Put them back on. No, I'm gonna put, put them back on. No. Why? Why are you ashamed of your feet? Why are you ashamed of your feet? I'm not ashamed of my feet. Why? Why would you only wear them for ten seconds? Because I made fun of the Birkenstock and people that wore Birkenstocks for so long. How many? How comfortable are they? They're they're great. They're very comfortable. But but I I don't even have I don't even have the huevos rancheros to wear those into Why the grocery get, store. Get the yet. cap toe ones. What's that? They have a cap toe version. I don't want a cap toe. I want those shoes, and I don't want to. And I want to feel better about wearing them. And after I read this article that the, that the ugly shoe won, I, I feel a little better about it. It's like, okay, well, it seems well, like... Let's do some exposure therapy. I, I, Go put them back on <laughs> and, and spend five minutes no. with them on in front of me. No, I have no You can't choice. go to the store if you can't even do five minutes in front of your friend. That's fine. That's fine. I, I mean, one minute. I may never let's wear... Do one minute. I, never, I don't want to wear them. Let's do one minute. No. I'm going to talk to... You pers- probably spend $80 for those shoes. 85. 85 bucks. Go get them. Let's do 30 seconds. Uh Uh-uh. You don't even do 30 seconds? Why do you want me? I just had them on. Because you need to expose yourself to the feeling and marinate it for a minute. And then once you've marinated it, you might go, okay, now I'll do a minute. And then the next thing you know, you're walking down the aisle at at, uh, Fred Meyer without a care in the world. And everybody's going, man, that guy has some white feet. All right. (laughs) Come back in here. and We're going to just let you sit. With the shoes on for 30 seconds, and then sit down, sit down. No, it hasn't started yet. We haven't started the clock. Start, start. Five seconds in. Okay, so now let's just sit here. How's it feel? Does it feel uncomfortable? Totally. All right, just now look down at your feet. 
I don't want to look at my feet. Look down at your feet. I don't, I'm not a look at my feet person. Just look at the shoes then. All right. Yep. What, how's that? How do you feel? Weird. Okay. How much time we got left? 24 seconds. 25. I think we should go for a minute. Let's stretch yourself. Nope. I think you can do it. That's good. Wow. How's it feel? No, you feel like you accomplished something there? No. Man, you kicked those off like they're on fire. Why did you even buy them if you had that much of an aversion to them? You can, you can bury me in anything. Don't bury me in those shoes. See you. I want to know about the whole pro- buying process. See you on the other side of it. Did you buy them online? Did you buy them in person? <laughs> How'd you even get out of the store with those? Leave me alone. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Therese and I am a new team member with Ron and Don. When you are ready to buy a new home, I am a buyer specialist. Just reach out and we will send a buyer's playbook that the guys wrote just for you. Go to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. If you, again, if you need us, just go to ronanddonsitdown.com. That's Ron home of the ugly shoe. There you go, ronanddonsitdown.com. Uh, let's do, I'm, I'm like, let you pick a story here. We can do uh, Fabio. Uh, after 60, uh, we can do, are you born lucky or, or we can do, uh, Holden's versus holding outs in the NFL as the Hawks get ready to, uh, play some even worse football. I would imagine this week at some point, I imagine they're going to have to stick one of their starters in. Nah, <laughs> that the, you, well, since we teased the, the, are you born lucky story at the top, we should, we should probably cover that. Cause it is interesting. And if we have time to get to the NFL, I think that story is interesting. Fabio looks great for 62, has more cars than I thought, and uh, sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber. Yeah. So that, those are kind of the highlights of the Fabio story. He doesn't He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. Uh, he eats well. He works out every day. And he, he's single. He rides his motorcycle, and he still looks like Fabio. He does, totally. He does. He looks great. And he, and he said sleeping in that chamber and breathing straight oxygen. He does it for... Are you going to get a hyperbaric chamber with a, your ugly a, shoes? A couple hours every day. You just wear your ugly shoes in the hyperbaric chamber yeah. and then look great when you're 60. Yeah. So the story, Are You Born Lucky, is being... There's a woman coming out with a book that's getting... She's getting... Everyone's trying to cancel her because of this theory. So her theory is this. If you... Your genetic makeup out of the gate will predispose you to be successful or not successful. So she says, if you're genetically predisposed to be everything from like being a college graduate to being uh, your kind of level of intelligence, athletic ability. So she goes down this whole laundry list and says, a lot of it is genetically predisposed. And on the flip side, if you're someone that became an addict, if you're someone that can't hold down a job, if you're someone that struggled academically throughout your life, that a lot of that is is genetic as well. And so people are looking at her and going, okay, you're trying to bring back eugenics, which was a theory that came out of, you know, Nazi Germany and white supremacy uh, about, you know, that you would breed, only, only allow the best genetic stock, so to speak, to, to mate, and eventually the weaker parts of society would be eliminated. Uh, and of course, that's a horrible theory that should be discredited. But this modern author is going, no, like I'm not a, a eugenicist. I'm just saying, look at the evidence, look at real life, and use common sense. The biggest one for me with this is athletics. Like at a certain point, it's undeniable when you watch an Olympic caliber athlete, let's say, that a huge percentage of that is genetic. 
Um, obviously they train a lot and obviously there's grit and everything that goes into that, but you, like I could train as much as I wanted to, and it's not going to turn me into an Olympic athlete. Uh, even if I thought like maybe archery or something like maybe go, okay, I'm going to work 10 hours a day to become an Olympic archer. But even then I might have not have the genetic ability to do it. Um, and so it gets a little more slippery when you talk about academic achievement. Uh, but her contention is I'm going to completely obliterate the bootstrap work hard myth because most of it is genetic. What did you take away when you read that article? I think it's probably all that. I, I, I think for me, I did pull myself up by my bootstraps. I did. I have boots and I had straps. I didn't have a father, but I had a mother and a very committed family around me. Very, very committed family. So, so my, so my feeling is I, I don't poo poo the, the bootstrap thing. Like, and we talked to, uh, athletes before about bootstraps and, and, and so there's part of me that embraces that. What I see though, is I see people who don't have boots and if you don't have boots, then you don't have bootstraps. And, and that's what's, that's what's genetic or is that just life? You know what? Is it random? Is it being unlucky? So that's what the article is like. Maybe you're just unlucky and you and I were born with boots and someone else doesn't have boots. Well, here's what we don't know. And this would be an interesting study. How come when you turn on, when, when you become a football player, uh, in the NFL, if you played in the college level, only 2% of all college athletes ever end up or football players end up playing the National Football League for three years or more. Most of those players are African-American. Over 70% are. There's some Sundays where you'll turn on your TV and you'll look at 22 of the starting players. And 11 players uh, on both sides are all African-American. So then the question becomes, African-Americans only represent 14% of the United States population. White men represent over 60% of the population, uh, white and white men. So when, when we look at these football players that are incredible, are they incredible football players? Because some of them will tell you, hey, there was one lane for me, and it was, it was athletics, and that was it. There, there weren't these other lanes and these other opportunities that, that, that people have. So for me, in the school that I went to, let's say, and I'm not talking about me, I'm just saying folks in general. Let, let, let's say you grew up in New Orleans where you had to share a set of books where the broken windows theory is true. The, you go look at the schools there, at least before Katrina, pre-Katrina, and the windows were broken out. There were a lot of teachers that didn't want to teach mostly African-American kids in the inner city. A lot of black kids can't swim. Is it because black kids can't swim or they weren't exposed to swimming? A lot of black kids from New Orleans don't get academic scholarships. Is that because they're not smart enough to get academic scholarships or because they don't have some of the best teachers like the white flight schools do? But Louisiana, when you are looking for five-star football players, five-star football players, there are more five-star football players that come out of Louisiana, which is one of the smallest states in the country. There's more five-star football players that come out of Louisiana than come out of the great state of Texas and California combined. That's astonishing. So is the question, is that genetics? Or is that African-American boys just going, hey, you know what? I didn't grow up with privilege. I didn't grow up with a pair of boots or bootstraps. 
this is my one opportunity, so I'm going to give everything I have. And that's one of the reasons I'm starting in the NFL on Sundays, right? So I don't know that we know the answers to those questions. And if everything was level, would you see more white players starting in the National Football League on Sundays? Are they not starting in the National Football League because they don't have the genetics? Or are they not starting because they didn't have to try as hard because maybe they went to a white flight school. They were able to get an education and along the way. They said, you know what? I'm choosing to go to John Hopkins University uh, to get an education and become a doctor versus going to LSU or Louisiana Tech or Tulane and be a football player and try to make it in the NFL so that I can take care of my family. I think those questions are fascinating. Those are the kind of conversations that, that I think we need to have. And those are the kind of conversations that people can't have because when you have this conversation, people automatically label you with, within this cancel culture and they cancel you for asking a very important question like that. Yeah, so I, I think this author is courageous for doing it. And I think maybe luck, lucky uh, can encompass a lot more things than, than just genetics. Luck can be the part of the country you grew up in. Luck can be what family you were born into. Uh, you know, there's a lot of components of luck. You, luck might be you had a teacher in first grade that did something that set you onto a track. It's like there's a lot of different components to luck, but I do think a lot of it is lucky. And, and is there a difference between luck and privilege? Uh, yes, because using this theory, you could be born into a privileged family and hit the genetic bust, you know, so maybe you, let's say you're the richest family in the world, but you're born with a degenerative disease or you're born with childhood leukemia or something like that. So genetically you are not privileged, but financially you could be privileged. So I, I don't think they run hand in hand. Yeah. And, and again, it's one thing to have genetics. And then what was your support system? You go to like a Brock Heward football camp. And for a lot of kids that couldn't pay to go to a football camp, and these are a lot of brown and black kids, and Brock was a, a great player at the UW, and I, I volunteered there for a couple of years at the football camp. What he does is he doesn't charge anyone, and he gives scholarships so, so that all kids can come to the football camp, and they have uh, their sponsors pay for it. A lot of football camps, though, that if you don't have a scholarship and you have to pay, you have to pay a lot of money to go to that particular uh, football camp. And... That kind of support system for kids, especially in the inner city and having those kind of opportunities, because I do believe that people are born without boots and bootstraps. That's that's helping to provide some boots and bootstraps. And I think that really is the conversation we should be having that a lot of people just don't want to have. Are you still going to do the Don O'Neill linebacker camp where you just... <sighs> build some brick walls, get the kids super fired up. And then they all just, it's run, sad to me that they through the brick walls. It's sad to me that they outlawed the, the Oklahoma tackling drill. Cause that's the greatest drill in the world where you just, you lay on your back. I lay on my back. One guy's going to get up with the football and the other guy's not going to have the football. And the guy without the football, you're going to take out the guy with the football. There's nothing better than that. What about bull in the ring? <laughs> That one's really been outlawed. That's probably my favorite. Uh, hey, you guys, thanks for listening to episode 304. We really appreciate that. 307. 30, what did I say? 304. I just make up numbers. I know. Thanks for listening to episode 643. <laughs>
Hey, thanks for listening to episode uh, 307. We appreciate that. As you can see, we don't edit around here. Thanks for giving us five-star reviews, writing something great, hitting subscribe, and then you get the show every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. If you want to reach out to us, Ron is on Facebook, Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill on Facebook, and you can also find us on Instagram. I'm Don34, Don O'Neill34, and he's Ron Upshaw. Keep your head up, keep your shoulders back, you guys, and we'll see you next time for episode 308 or 625 or 751, whatever number uh, hits me. Omaha! Yeah. Omaha! You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. All right! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.